0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson, and it is, it's happy to be back together with you because it's happy to talk to people. It's happy to talk to your friends. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We've got some headlines coming out of Ohio State. We've got mailbag questions to answer. Uh, we've got another edition of the Book Club coming up. Um, Tom, Barton, Barton, you are in Florida. You, you went down for spring break. And now spring break's lasting uh, the rest of the year, I guess.
2: That's that's right. (laughs) The rest of time. (laughs) Might never leave. Legitimately might never leave. Uh, Yeah, we're just down here because we don't really have a house to go back to right now. Nashville, long story. Um, So, hey, if you're going to be quarantined, you might as well be quarantined in Florida. Um, It was a a very weird... I'm sorry I missed the the 90s pop song podcast um this was a very weird time to be on spring break uh with the whole world uh on red alert and trying to like find some some relaxation um the reality is spent, spent a lot of time doing doing counseling Sp- got a lot of billable hours in with uh with 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 some therapy sessions uh with with the wife but here we are, uh, the quarantine has begun. My, now my work days begin with a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a pregnant wife, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So far, so good. And have you uh,
0: started to offer the counseling sessions to your daughters yet? <laughs> the, uh, are they doing okay? No. Like for real, like real talk, are, are they doing okay? Because that is that is the like when you've – how to explain this to children? Uh, that we're we're hanging here now. I don't, I guess in in Panama City it might be different, but uh, but it's it's, it's different for no the idea. kids too. They nothing got no idea.
2: They got no idea. Wow, they're, they're they're gold, man. To be to be a kid right now, be dope. Uh, they got scooters. They got sun. I tell you the thing. The thing that is honestly, first of all, you guys, how familiar are you guys with TikTok? Ah, uh, oh! TikTok guys? No, no, no! I'm
1: familiar I, that it exists and what it is. I am not a TikToker.
2: All right, so quick TikTok. So the down here, like the first week we were here, there's still a lot of people on spring break, a lot of high school kids, college kids. All they do, all they do is film each other, like film themselves dancing in TikTok videos. That's all they do. They don't talk to each other. They don't like, as far as I can tell, I don't even know if they like drink or like break rules or party. They just dance <laughs> to TikToks. And I thought that was, and ironically, TikTok was like, has sort of saved at least one day of this trip. My wife decided she was going to do a TikTok. I, di- I jumped in, did a TikTok dance, and it was it was the most carefree two hours I got out of my wife uh, for in about a week's period. So TikToks could just save us from this pandemic. Everyone just get on TikTok and start doing some dancing, and you know we might just get through this thing.
1: You know, maybe, maybe you should name the kid TikTok.
2: TikTok. Oh. Yep. TikToks. TikTok Simmons. <laughs> Linda <laughs> might be <laughs>
0: I, I represent like showcasing a time in history. Uh, with but with TikTok Simmons, I, I think that I'm too fortunate. That all the times that I've done dumb little dance routines, it's been in a time before we had iPhones. That I feel like I've all I, I've gotten out carefree. I don't know if I've got TikTok myself. When I first saw it get out here on the scene, I uh kind of kind of watched it float on down the stream. I was like, that's gonna be a boat that some other people can get on, but I'm I'm gonna let that boat pass. Are you telling me that I need uh, to get on TikTok and embarrass no, myself? I, okay.
2: No, 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 no. I'm not telling you you need to get on TikTok. I am telling you by week three of quarantine life, you will have a TikTok following of like 20,000 20, people. <laughs> like it, you you will just organically become a TikToker. So I'm not telling you when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. I, and I'm not even telling you you need to do it. I'm just telling you It's going to happen. You prepare yourself. Up, TikToker.
0: Uh, Tom, how have you been doing? Quarantine life, checking in on our mentals. Uh, you doing all right?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny because there might be something to what in saying because I have some friends that are comedians who, you know, in L.A. on Friday nights, they would do like their, they had a show that they did every Friday night. Well, obviously, with everything being on lockdown, they haven't been able to do their show. So what they did was they were taking it to Twitch. So since it's in L.A. and I never actually get to go watch it because I live in Chicago and on a Friday night, that's a really long drive. So. I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'll actually be able to watch one of their shows. So I signed up for Twitch and I was watching the show and it was funny. But I stayed on Twitch.
0: Ooh. And started watching <laughs> and gamers.
1: Yes. I started watching like <laughs> dudes playing FIFA matches. Yeah. Like as a as like a sports substitute. And then it even got to the point where I found myself watching like people playing Grand Theft Auto oh. online. And dude, it is like crazy. Like these, there are people on they're like living actual lives. Like they have roles. <laughs> like you know, like there's the dudes. Like there's a bunch of separate gangs, but there are also people like role playing as the cops. And like you know, if people like responding to like shots fired calls there are people like role-playing as like ambulance drivers like rescuing people who have been shot so I was, are, the, I found are my, the
2: latest updated grand theft auto games because i'm not like uh, it's been a while since i've played this stuff but are they now like interactive like sim city type environments
1: i don't know if i my sense <laughs> is from watching it like this is like a mod like they took the online mode and they have you know the kids being as smart as they are with computers I feel like they've developed their own kind of universe based on Grand Theft Auto because there's stuff that they're doing online I'd never played the game online I only played it you know on my PlayStation when it came out but there's stuff they're doing that you cannot do in the game so they've clearly modified some things but I was just like the next thing I knew like two hours had gone by and I was just watching people play Grand Theft Auto and it was the most mind-blowing
2: thing I knew that you'd lead us to some dark places for I knew that you would find, you would find those spots that we could just dig into. It
1: started as innocent fun. And then the next thing I know, I'm watching like a gang war in Grand great. <laughs> Do they have their own economy? Like, are they,
0: yes. Are they exchanging? Yes. Like, are yes. they trading and bartering in this? Yes. Oh. Yes.
1: Thanks. Like, you know, like, the the ambulance workers were getting paid to help people like to bring them back to life. And they like sell guns to each other or drugs to each other. And it's just, it's insane. Like it's fascinating, but it's also at the same time, it's like, why are, why would you do this? (laughs) I think now during a quarantine, I understand why you would be doing it. You
0: went into this looking for like the sports Splenda. You were just looking for a little sugar substitute and you ended up on the, the high quality like, government grade, good stuff.
1: Yeah. Like real talk. I was just like, I was watching FIFA for a little bit. like on my iPad. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get my sports fixed. And then I was going to go to bed. And then I was like, all right, let me check out. I'm just going to, you know, float around. And then I ended up on like a GTA. Dude, it was three 30 in the morning. <laughs> I was like oh god i need to go to bed <laughs> so we've got well, your- it must be pretty must be. must be pretty
2: good at least i
1: Keep will you around say that, that long there was I, I was flipping through a bunch of different channels i do not remember the person's name but there was one guy who was actually pretty damn funny but <laughs> it was just i was yeah it was it was i mean these are strange times fellas strange strange times
0: uh, yeah, if I signed up, the only place that I would know where to look is for our buddy Pete Blackburn, who I think gets on there and, uh, sets up the Twitch stream a little bit, but, uh, I guess you got your Tik and you got your Twitch, whatever you'd need to do to be able to, uh, to get that. Like, was it, was anybody out here throwing down locks on the replays of the college basketball games on CBS this weekend? I don't know. Could <laughs> could have had the opportunities. Uh, all right. Well, as before, we get into the mailbag. Uh, in a couple of headlines, just want to start with a, a little bit of a look. And we touched on this. We last time we were all together. It was a little bit of frantic. We weren't quite sure, you know, where we were going to be uh, in terms of the impact of. Uh, coronavirus and on college football and on college sports, it was very much unfolding. And you know, to to Barton's point, I mean, like the the world has certainly changed uh, within that last week, week and a half since we sort of got together and tried to tried to figure out, you know, what the next steps are going to be, what the questions are going to be, and what we've seen as modern workplaces ha- have gone to, you know, whether your Zoom or Skype or GoToMeeting or, or whatever your you know awkward uh computer cam meeting services in the same way we've seen a lot of these college football head coaches reach out uh they're starting to talk to reporters i think that we're starting to get a sense of uh, of where the the general headspace is and and certainly a lot of them are concerned as we don't have any spring practice that will be going on sports are pretty much shut down through the rest of the academic year there is hope that we might be able to to get fall camp in. So we're starting to figure out what that might look like for college football programs. And so I've, I've, I've got uh, a handful of teams right here, five teams that I think are going to be impacted by the, 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 the way that no spring practice has been canceled. So, um, how, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to throw out some names? Do we want to throw out our five? Uh, where's, where's your head at when you start to think about the programs that are going to be the most impacted by the fact that there's going to be no spring practice.
2: I I just personally, I just sort of listed off on a notepad, a bunch of different schools for a bunch of different reasons that I think are, are really longing for some, some spring practice. Um, ironically, the first day I got here in Florida, um, I was just walking on the sidewalk with my family and my daughter's about to ride a scooter into the street. And this nice woman, uh, stops scout from scootering into oncoming traffic and, uh, walking alongside of her was Mike Norvell. Wow. So I caught, I caught Mike Norvell on the first day of, um, of kind of the madness getting going right after it was, it was his spring break and it was, uh, you know, he said he just got off an hour-long phone call just trying to sort of uh, plan out what's to come. But just, you know, every 24 hours, more stuff popped. And now, all of a sudden, kind of no one's getting spring practice, and I'm not sure he was anticipating that at that time. Um, but I just thought that was uh, kind of random to see Mike Norvell down in Florida. But I think all the... I mean, you almost have to have, like, a new coach yeah, yeah. category and a non-new coach category. Because all... Like, the only... The, the, the staffs that are most impacted without question are the the new staffs. Yeah. That's, that, that's a major disadvantage.
0: I feel like for Florida State in particular, did he – I mean, he's he got in a couple practices. He might have only gotten in, I think, one or two or two or three before spring break, but they at least had gotten together and started the process, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they got a little – uh, but, uh, you know, they're just getting – getting lathered up at that point um i think you know that the, the first couple of practices you can't even really wear full pads so i'm sure that uh i'm sure there's a lot more work that they needed to get done um but i don't know you guys who, who wants to, to to jump in and well, where you want to take it
1: first of all i will say that if there is a 2020 season and florida state does well i'm calling it now i'm going to take the the it's because they had two spring practice take so they had it they had an unfair advantage
0: no 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 but see that's it came from the my i came from it from the miami perspective because miami got in four practices with derrick king and to let the most optimistic miami fan tell it hey that's a head start on the rest of college football
1: (laughs) huge miami's going undefeated i you know i i feel like the same way i'm i'm writing a column for cbssports.com on the 20 schools most impacted by the loss of spring practice and I feel like obviously like you said, teams breaking in a new coaching staff, new head coach, new staff, those are obviously like the place you want to start. But another one that has their head coach back, but has basically lost everybody else is LSU. I had like, it as number Corse one. Back. Yeah yeah new oc new dc new qb new rb new receivers new defensive line you know it's there's going to be so many new faces competing for new spots and new people coaching them and taking that over that i feel like for lsu it's it's probably somewhat of a blow at least to get you know more inclined with everybody and just get some stuff put in before heading into the summer but maybe we're all better off having coach o fight the coronavirus on his own anyway
0: I put LSU at the top of my list, which I absolutely was sort of taking into consideration what our expectations are going to be of this program. And because of what LSU did last year, one of the best you know, individual seasons in college football history, there's going to be weighty expectations, even though, uh, as you mentioned, Tom, players, assistant coaches. We still have Steve Insminger, but you lose Joe Brady and, you know, that Dave Aranda, like those those are monumental losses, even all the way down to some uh, assistants, quality control staffers, no Joe Burrow, tons of uh, talent on both sides of the ball gone. LSU is going to be expected to compete like a top five team, no matter how many practices they get in, even if the team that takes the field um, at the start of the season is entirely new. And so I feel like that one is a – that's going to be a fascinating one with a lot of pressure. If we do get back and if we are able to, for example, start August 1st, that group is going to – Baton Rouge is going to be one of the most interesting places in all of college football because no one's going to lower the bar on the outside. I mean, you you could probably make a good argument for going the under on LSU's win total as sort of a principal play. But, man, there is just so much – that needs to get done in terms of bringing everybody up to speed. I saw uh, an uh, an unnamed, not an unnamed, but an offshore book is trying to go ahead and get ahead of our good friends that uh, are trying to go ahead and get ahead of everybody else. And I saw that the LSU Texas Week Two game, the line game in Baton Rouge, the way too early line set around six. If LSU doesn't have if as much time, even for a fall camp, if things start to get pushed back, I can tell you right now, I would even with that game being in Tiger Stadium, I think I would take Texas.
2: Yeah, take the team with the senior QB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that, I think that's a big part of this LSU thing too is just getting, not getting like getting Miles Brennan some just reps, just getting him some reps, seeing that offense, um, and and getting him comfortable as the guy getting them comfortable leading the huddle because that's the other thing too it's like there's not only can you not practice but this is a time and spring beyond just the the practices but i mean in the weight room and the conditioning and the seven on sevens or whatever whatever you're doing beyond the organized practice from the coaches like your leaders are emerging and this is that time for miles brennan to sort of step up and be the be the leader in the absence of Joe Burrow and prove that he can sort of command things. And he's just not getting those reps, not getting that face time to do that. Not so the, the mystery around what LSU looks like a quarterback will, will continue into the fall. Uh, t- uh okay. I'll, throw I'll, I'll throw a few. So, uh, I, I think one, there's one category here. Like I think we're most of the, the, the programs that I sort of, listed that were you know whether they were you know new coaching new coaches new coordinators new quarterbacks like is, know, is sort of Georgia like too that.
0: easy is it like is the Georgia new offensive no, coordinator? Man, I think do- that's
2: a big one yeah that's so what a I was big, going was yeah. that's a really big one but what I was going was is like the other category I think is the the, the schools that are looking to take sort of a next step looking to sort of build on the momentum from last season. I am looking at two ACC schools. Like I, I think it's, if you're, if you're North Carolina and say Louisville, maybe you're, you're like frustrated that you can't get back and get your hands on these guys and, and continue to, to build off of what that 2019 season was. And now you sort of lose a lot of that momentum and you always have to start from a, from a standstill again in the summer or in August. Um, so that's sort of like a different uh, category because those programs are healthy at least. Uh, but it's uh, it's got to be frustrating for those coaches to just be sitting twiddling their thumbs uh, when they had such a feel-good 2019 year.
1: Yeah, and I, another couple schools that I thought of too, I think that's a good point, bringing up like the that aren't undergoing huge changes, but like you said, are trying to move to that next step but other ones kind of like in the same realm as the changes kind of like alongside of georgia it's you know because the one thing Georgia's doing is it's replacing it's you know veteran qb and it's bringing in a new oc and it's completely changing its offense which isn't a situation all that dissimilar to what we're likely to see at oregon who has to replace justin herbert and is bringing in joe moorhead hopefully with the design of taking an offense that was a little bit stayed and maybe you know, doing like Moorhead did at Penn State when he came in, opening things up and making it a bit more explosive. And then you look at a situation like where Moorhead just left, where Mike Leach is coming in, and not only is it a new coach, but it's like sometimes you see things where a new head coach comes in, but what they're going to do isn't all that dissimilar to what they were already doing there to begin with. Well, that's not the case with Mississippi State because that's an entire new offense that they are going to be implementing there. So, in a way, it's you know you're getting a new coach and you get to know the new coach, but you also have to learn a whole new playbook. You're going to have new players and player, you know. So it's it's just like those are the kind of schools I'm looking at as far as teams that are really impacted. But the truth is, like
2: everybody's going to be impacted by this. I like a so,
0: qu- go ahead, Barton.
2: No, you got it. I was I just going to
0: gonna say I, I like a quote from Mac Brown. He said. Uh, you know the guys that are good workout guy, like the the guys that you didn't need to drag to the to the weight room, the guys that you don't need to remind them to come to film room, like those those guys are going to be fine. It, it's it's going to be a real reflection of what kind of. Locker room, you have what kind of roster you've put together. You know, Mac Brown in particular, it's not all of his roster or his guys, and he probably has some guys in mind that he knows that out on their own, you know, only being held accountable by. A FaceTime here, phone call, text there. There's some. There's some players that are going to be able to go about their business, and they're not going to be able to replicate exactly what they would have had from like a preparation or off-season conditioning. But there are some guys uh, on your roster that you got to feel good about. And then there's others that you know are probably not going to be able to to keep up the pace, and they are going to show up whenever it's time to get back, and they are going to be woefully underprepared physically and mentally. And so this is, you know. You're right. Everybody is dealing with this, but I think that, you know, while we might not be able to have as good a feeling predicting who's going to come out. I think the teams, what I do feel comfortable about is that the teams that come out of this ahead of their peers, the ones that are going to be able to to hit the ground running are going to be the ones that uh, in terms of their roster are, are feeling really good about the, those guys that are on the team being self motivators and self starters.
2: Well, you remember, um, a bowl season every year we're sort of very complimentary of the <clears throat> teams that are really good with a coach that has left for another job because it means that that coach left that locker room in a really good shape. The culture is really strong. It's a, re- it's a good reflection on you, not a poor reflection on you when a team is successful without you even being there. Right. Um, and I think this is the sort of the ultimate test of that is the, yeah, I mean the st- really strong locker rooms, the really strong cultures, uh, are the only ones that really have a chance to get out of this um, alive. I, I think that's that was probably poorly worded. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the the, the other one that, that I'm interested in is how about the schools that have this quarterback competitions that they needed to sort out in the in the spring and summer? Like one in particular that I'm thinking of is, is Michigan Mm. and Michigan is, can be a little bit in that second year sort of bump situation that i talked about North Carolina Louisville only in the sense that like it's, it felt like second half of the season, Josh Gaddis started to see some dividends uh, on his install offensively. Like the guys started to, it started to click a little bit. They started to be more comfortable, um, move the ball a little bit more consistently and and now you can't carry over that momentum but, but maybe more importantly Shea Patterson's gone Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey battling out for a starting quarterback job uh, less reps to figure out who the best guy is uh, and you know there's there's probably some other quarterback competitions out there that that, that I'm not thinking of but that that's an obvious one. Uh, is Michigan just just missing some opportunity to, to, to sort through that?
0: Who else in the Big Ten? Because when I was scanning the country, I was trying to make sure that I wasn't, you know, just a, as a you know, Georgia homer, I was trying to make sure that I wasn't just uh, <laughs> stuck in the SEC corner. I looked at the Big Ten, and the quarterback competition at Michigan stood out. Change at offensive coordinator at Penn State stood out. I look at Mel Tucker at Michigan State just as a whole nother situation altogether. But it seemed as though elsewhere in the Big Ten, particularly when we're talking about the the teams that we expect to be at the top of both divisions, not not that any not, again not that anybody is in a good position, but it doesn't seem like there's as much like glaring whoa like they they really needed that spring type situation. Am I missing any across the whoa. board?
1: I mean Penn State's got a new OC coming in and it could have a quarterback competition of its own. I mean it's I don't I don't know that, you know, what they finished the season with a clear-cut starter heading into 2020. I think you mentioned Michigan State. I think that they're in a bad spot because they were already behind right. with, with the timing of D'Antonio and then bringing in Mel Tucker. So to not even have spring practice like by the time Mel Tucker gets to see his players <laughs> You know what? He might have been on the job for four months before he's really had a chance hey, to get to know his team.
0: Yeah, at least one Michigan State player is going to have a growth spurt before they can see Mel Tucker again.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, Minnesota's got some, you know, because Penn State's new offensive coordinator is Minnesota's old offensive coordinator. So I think that. In a way, Ohio State is safe because there has been so much continuity and so many of the key players are back, although they do have a lot of guys they have to replace. And I do think if you look at them, while we tend to think of, you know, quarterbacks or offense, like Ohio State is pretty much losing its entire secondary Mm. and it's got to break a new one in. So the spring practice would have been a nice time for that, especially doing so under a new defensive coordinator with Jeff Halfley going on to Boston College. So, I do think there are. I mean, there's a big impact on the Buckeyes, and I wouldn't be surprised if, when the season starts, fingers crossed, if Ohio State's glaring weakness is that secondary because of this. Uh,
2: not a Big Ten team, but um, kind of Big Ten country. I, I I think Notre Dame with the what? How old are these? Tommy Tom Reese, twenty something. <laughs> The twenty-something <laughs> coordinator, like his first opportunity. I guess I don't think I don't even think like calling the plays is like I don't know that he needs like the reps of calling plays. I'm sure yeah, I'm sure he needs them, but like that's like I'm just think it's it's interesting that probably his first time. I don't know his his he would have had a lot of opportunity to like really address the team and really be in front of the team, be the voice of the offense, be like, get them comfortable with their new baby face leader. And I just think that would have been some, that would have been some beneficial practices for Notre Dame to see their new coordinator and kind of get a, get a better sense of like his coaching style. Not that, I mean, he's not a new face. They know him, but they know him as the quarterback's coach. Uh, this was his a chance to sort of submit himself as their, as their offensive face. Um, so like that's, that's a missed opportunity as well.
1: Oh, now, Tommy's Tommy's only 27, but he will turn 28 in May. So he'll be grizzled by the time that they're actually able to get together.
0: Yeah. I mean, between 28 uh, year old Tommy Reese and uh, 14th year senior starting quarterback, Ian book, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> They've got all I mean, like like I actually looked at Notre Dame and I was like, man, ah, the Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to be whatever, like Notre Dame ceiling. As long as Ian book is the starting quarterback is Ian book ceiling. And you know, whether that can be elevated, we'll, we'll see. But at at least that feels like a little bit more like a fixed, uh, a fixed value in my, in my calculations for the upcoming season. Um, But man, so are we calling him Tom or Tom, Tom?
2: I can't remember. I forget. Tom, Tom, Tom Reese. Tommy. I don't Tommy care. Tom? I mean,
1: I'm calling him. T- he came into my world. as Tommy Reese, he's Tommy Reese. I'm not changing it, it up.
2: Listen, I, I, at this point between him letting his mom dictate what everyone should be calling him to him, changing things officially to like reneging. I'm not even sure. Like maybe I'm, I'm making up a bunch of shifts uh, in, in, in terms of the, the nomenclature of, of Coach Reese, but it sure feels like we've had some 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 shifts in the wind. I don't think he gets to tell us what what we call him anymore. <laughs> I think we no, call here's, here's what deal. we want.
1: Here, here, Tommy, if you're listening, if Notre Dame's when Notre Dame scores forty points per game, you tell us what to call you, and we'll call you that. Yeah,
0: there, absolutely. Berlin, that's a, that's Tom, a, Tommy. That's a meritocracy right there. I'll um, call
1: you sir if that's what you want. <laughs>
0: Uh, We mentioned the Ohio State Buckeyes, one of the uh, big college football headlines from the weekend, one of the few college football uh, real newsy bits of transactional information that we've got uh, right here in late March was the commitment of former Oklahoma running back Trey Sermon to Ohio State. Barton, he was a, you know, like four star uh, in the 24/7 Sports composite, a three star at 24/7 Sports coming out of high school, Georgia kid, uh, seemed to have offers from all the usual suspects. Uh, took a took an official visit, or at least visited Columbus during the recruiting process before ultimately committing to Oklahoma in the spring of 2016. I think that we look at Trey Sermon as a a player who particularly within the framework of a spread offense can be uh, a a very effective player. He his season in 2019 was ended early because of injury. A lot of fans will remember Oklahoma, the injury situation in the backfield was ridiculous. Like, yes, Jalen hurts was a, a running threat because that was something that he's very good, a good part of his game, but they were also just lacking for other legs to be able to provide some balance with the offense and get things going on the ground could have, you know, with a full bill of health, could have been in the mix, ends up wanting to transfer. He's a graduate transfer, immediately eligible. When you think about sort of, you know, Trey Sermon, and as you've been tracking him, as uh, as he lands with the Buckeyes, is this a player that you think is going to be able to step in and uh, and, and really answer um, what looks at least to be a depth issue with uh, injury to Marcus Teague? I mean, they're, Ohio State, Depth at the running back position was one place that you did not feel real confident, feel good about wide receivers, obviously quarterback in Justin Fields. So like, are we, are we making a big deal of this because we got nothing else to make a big deal out of, or with Trey Sermon's commitment, do you look at Ohio state like they just were able to put a check mark uh, going into 2020?
2: Well, I think, first of all, like, like Tom said earlier, so Ohio state's, issues next year appear to be experience in the secondary and probably running back. I mean, they they really don't have they don't have a deep backfield. They don't really have a healthy backfield right now. And, hey, look, Trey Sermon, we, we don't really know how healthy he is either. But I, I think if it's a healthy Trey Sermon, if it's a Trey Sermon that is close to the best version of himself, I think he's the best – Back on their roster right now and i also think that he is someone that provides an element in terms of catching the football out of the backfield that would be a huge asset to ohio state because master teague is not really that yeah. um if master teague is going to be their 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 lead back that's that's not really his thing he's more of a he's going to yeah. gash you he can he's a good straight line guy he's thick thick physical kid but Trey Sermon can do the the more diverse all-purpose actions that I think Ryan Day would like to see. So I think this is pretty huge because I would also suspect – I mean, you don't know who's going to come available in the, tra- in the transfer portal, so this is very much a guess. But I, w- I, w- I would be – I would suspect he'll be, he will have been the best running back available in the transfer portal. And if Ohio State – for Ohio State to land him at a very like, – one of the few positions of of just sort of one of the few holes on the roster. Uh, I think that that's man that's a that's a big win to me.
1: Yeah, and I remember when he when he first announced he was transferring, which is nine days ago. I remember I wrote the post and I saw it was nine days ago, and it's like really it feels like three weeks. Yeah, but, uh, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, like word had immediately started kind of getting around as soon as he hit the portal that he was going to end up at Ohio State. So. <laughs> he's ended up there and he was you know it's with Oklahoma the way things have been the last few years like with Jalen Hurts was the major ball carrier last year but when Sermon did play he averaged over 7 yards per carry in 2018 he averaged you know nearly 6 yards per carry in 2017 he averaged over 6 yards per carry so this is this is a guy who has done it at a major program in a major conference so you think that he steps in at Ohio State he's definitely along with Master T got a chance to be the starting running back and like Barton was saying, I think that sermon does a little more than Teague has at least shown he's capable of doing. But that said, I also think he's gonna be facing a lot better rush defenses in the big 10 than he did in the big 12. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts his numbers. But I do think that if you're Ohio State, this is a big pickup because like Barton was saying, this is an area where if they are somewhat thin on offense there wasn't really that clear okay this is going to be the bell cow the new jk dobbins you know the to take over and i think sermon gives them depth so even if he's not like a guy getting 15 to 20 carries a game even if he's in that you know 7 to 12 kind of carry a game and he's splitting more time with teague i think it's good to have talent and proven depth at that spot so i think this is a big move for ohio state
0: coming up on the other side your questions and our answers and another edition of the cover 3 book club At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today on into the mailbag i remember if you reminder if you want to add a question to the cover three mailbag all you got to do is you got to go find the cover three podcast leave a five-star review put your question in there we'll add it to the mailbag and address it in a future mailbag episode you can also get at us on twitter at barton simmons at tom Finnelli, at chip underscore patterson um it, it will definitely be seen on the cover three college football podcast page whether it shows up in our mentions kind of depends on whether this is a time where fans are attacking Barton for his latest player rankings or whatever hysteria Tom is uh, waded into. What what are, what are they yelling about I'm in your shooting, mentions? I'm
1: watching gang wars. That's all I'm doing. I'm watching gang wars on <laughs> GTA.
2: Did you get uh, sideways with some people recently? You get into you get into mix.
1: Nonsense. I've been staying off Twitter, man. I mean, I just I feel like with everything going on, the last thing in the world that I really need to be doing right now is dealing with people on Twitter.
0: Yeah, it can be uh, it can be a lot in terms of uh, following following the little bit of uh, like sitting there and passively just getting bad news thrown into your eyeballs. It's an experience. <laughs> You know?
1: And seeing all the different ways that everybody responds to every single little piece.
0: Yeah. It can be- it's like
1: either the world is ending or it's all a big conspiracy and everybody's overreacting. It's like it's just in your face and it's just like I I, I can't be on there.
2: Uh, everybody's happy on TikTok, boys. It's just a happy <laughs> yeah. dance marathon. Everybody seemed happy on GTA. They're getting
1: within six feet of each other. They're you know
2: <laughs> there's no social
1: distancing in San Andreas right now.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, this question comes from rach nine and sadly, you know, we, we discussed this at a time where we will not have any spring festivities, but I thought that it was a, an interesting question With spring football soon upon us. What programs do you think run the best spring game? And if you are in charge of spring game slash events, how would you design it to be the best program, the best for the program, the fans recruiting, et cetera? So who's who's got a good spring game? We've been we've been uh, Barton. You watch a lot of spring games. Any any standout that you feel like uh, schools that run pretty good spring games?
2: Well, here's the problem with spring games: is at least from where I'm sitting, the success of a spring game broadcast, in my eyes, is much more dependent on the broadcast team than it is on the university because. Spring game broadcast can be really interesting and informative. Now, maybe like, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It could be really interesting and informative if you're you're getting information, and if the broadcast team is talking about what's on the field and the players and the depth chart and the future and who's looks good and for all this stuff. But if they're just if it's just a yuck fest and they're just interviewing the celebrity alumni or the you know, the former player and asking him how his pro days prep is going like that. That's not, I don't enjoy that. So I come at this from a little bit of a different angle. Um, I do think that on the surface, it sounds like good to have like this sort of the gimmick, like let's have bull in the ring. Let's do one-on-ones. Let's try to keep our guys healthy, but uh, do some fun things with them. I think it just works best if you just do a scrimmage, just split the teams up. As equally as possible, and just let them scrimmage, and uh, th- those are the ones that I think are the most entertaining and give the be- fans the best experience. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe I'm just old school like that.
1: I don't really enjoy watching spring <laughs> games. I, mean, I thought
0: that was the case. I, I forgot that.
1: I will say though, it's just like if you are doing it play a football game like a scrimmage like you just said i don't want to like i when teams in recent years have kind of gone the route, route of just making it an open practice that's pointless to me. I, if 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 let's call it a spring game. Let's have an actual game. If you want to do starters versus second team, if you've gotten that far, fine. I prefer you to kind of split the teams up to be as even as possible because if I am going to watch, I'd like it to be somewhat, you know, competitive. And what I don't want to see is like some schools do it where it's like offense versus defense and they do like the weird scoring don't, Yes. like a defense gets like 2 points for a broken up pass and like so you have absolutely no idea what the score is. Like I'm trying to watch a game, right? And I can't learn a whole new scoring system, or at least I don't want to while watching a fake all spring right. game. So just play a regular football game. And I mean, I know in the SEC, it's, it blows my mind that like they'll do it in the stadium and there'll be a lot of people there. And I'm just like, all right, folks.
0: I like but when yeah, you, I like at when, least it's fun. Yeah. I like when you get it involved with the like the full a uh, weekend campus long thing, you know, tag it up with a baseball game tag, it. you know, like create the whole environment. Give us, give us a concert, you know, on Friday night or something like that. That's in terms of the events. I, I kind of like the idea of making it just a, a showcase for all your spring sports. Hopefully you're going to get good weather and uh, a lot of fans are going to be able to come and just sort of enjoy the weekend in town. Now, I am 100% with you. When I saw this question, my thought immediately went to the scoring system, where I cannot stand to see that, uh, that that like one team won the spring game 16 to 12 because of the way that ones and two pointers were rewarded throughout the game. the The weird scoring system is out. We can't do that. I'm with y'all. I think I would like to see an actual football game. And, uh, and, and yeah, if, if it's tied at the end of it, then sudden death, uh, 35 yarders with the two kickers.
1: There we go. Boom. (laughs) All
0: right. Next question comes from Bo. Bo asks if you could make your own 14 bracket with its bracket season. If you could make your own four team bracket with any teams from the six years of the college football playoff, who would they be? What are their seeds? And who wins?
2: Oh, wow. I need to prep for this one. All
1: right. Well, I got my four teams. Okay. Because there have been, it was pretty, the way, <laughs> there are a lot of teams in the college football playoff that I think didn't win the title that. I would like to see but at the end four schools have won a national title in the playoffs so I just went with I want to see 2014 Ohio State 2015 Alabama 2018 Clemson and 2019 LSU
0: What? I don't don't disagree with your uh, I don't disagree with the schools you chose but I think that our uh, 2017 Bama is far superior because 2015 Bama, while it's got a much better defense and let's see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like fill out the rest of it in my head. Um, it doesn't have Tua, right? It doesn't have t- both Tua yeah, and Jalen
1: hurts. I, I understand that, but I also feel like, I don't know. It's got I, Jacob I, Coker.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I've got, I've got, I am, I am unfair to Jacob Coker. I will admit that, but
1: that, That 2015 defense was so good, though. And it's like, I wouldn't mind seeing that go against like that 2014 Ohio State offense, that 20, you know, the 2018 Clemson offense, the 2019 LSU offense. I would like to see that kind of matchup between them, depending on how the seeds go. The seeding, I'm not 100% sure. Because I feel like, I'd lean towards twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen LSU as number one, just because, it's, like we talked about during the season, the way Great that LSU of all time. yeah, so it's like I feel like I give them the one seed. I'd give twenty eighteen Clemson a two, and then Ohio State's three, and then that Alabama team four because you know offensively it might be a little bit weaker than the rest. So it'd be LSU versus Alabama and Clemson versus Ohio State yet again <laughs> in the semis.
2: Well, it feels like the. Three of 14 Ohio State, uh, 18 Clemson, 19 LSU are those three are locked in, and then you just sort of have to pick which Bama team you want to roll with. It's right? interesting.
1: Well,
0: it's interesting to debate 16 Clemson against 18 Clemson if you'd rather have uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, but I do think that defensively that was more of a like. The Clemson defense last year was like had reached its full powers. Everybody had come back. They could have gone to the draft after losing in the Sugar Bowl to Alabama in the semifinals, like that. That defensively, I think, takes me over the top, especially with their, you know, grand finale. What they did to an Alabama offense that looked like it was just going to tear the head off of everybody through
2: that season. Yeah, what's the the best? Go ahead, Tom. No, I
1: was just going to say, I think that 2016 Clemson team had a ton of talent, but at the same time, it was very much at times the Deshaun Watson show. And it, I feel it was in like Mike Williams. It was just so complete.
0: It, yeah. yeah, it was like Deshaun Watson evades the sack, like links up with Mike Williams down the field, insane catch in like over double teams, and they get the first down, keep it moving.
2: I'm just trying to look and see if there's any non championship game contenders that would be worthy of consideration. Um,
0: I would take Kyler or Baker.
2: One, you'd say what? I would
0: take Kyler or Baker, Oklahoma teams.
2: Really?
1: For,
0: for consideration.
1: I mean... For consideration. Right, that, right, right. They lost to Georgia in the Rose Bowl.
0: Georgia in Rose Bowl, and then Alabama in the Orange Bowl.
1: Eh. Uh, no, because that defense was such garbage. Okay. It's not beating anybody else.
2: So... You got Alabama twenty fourteen that lost by seven to that Ohio State team. You got the Oklahoma Baker team that lost in double overtime to Georgia. Uh, you've got, and then honestly, like so, what? It's in, what's interesting is obviously if Clemson finds a way to beat LSU in twenty nineteen, they're probably on there as well. Maybe you got two Clemson teams on there, but even you can make a case that lsu this year and ohio state and clemson from this year are, are like in the converse like could be very competitive and have a would have a, a shot at winning uh against these other teams we're talking about right yeah
0: i would agree yeah i agree with you because i don't that that ohio state team is going to be one where it's going to Probably even like the game was so close. Ohio State fans will never forget, and Ohio State fans will think that you know it's it's all against them. Why no one remembers how great that team was, but that Buckeyes team easily could have was so was one pass away from playing for a national championship. And I will listen to the argument that they would have lost by slightly less, but I still think they lose by more than a touchdown to LSU. Here, yeah, because LSU is the best
2: team all time.
1: Here's here's <laughs> a fun here's a fun bracket from playoff teams. You ready? Yeah. 2014 Florida State, 2015 Michigan State, 2017 Clemson and 2018 Notre Dame. <laughs> Let's give them a shot, boys. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I'll go yeah. 2018 Notre Dame is my pick to win that one.
2: All right, hold on. So 2018 Notre Dame uh 2015 Michigan State 2014 Florida State. Who was the other one? Uh, uh,
1: 2017 Clemson, the Kelly Bryant Clemson team. That was okay. like the number one seed and got absolutely pantsed by Alabama in the semi.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That might that Clemson team might 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 be the team that wins that that bracket.
0: I, the 14 Florida State team just was messing around with everybody, but they showed up undefeated I know, to but
2: the they're playoff. They're gonna mess around and, lo- and lose and in that in that setting too. Like they didn't give a rip.
1: I mean, they got their butts kicked by working that <laughs> yeah. Rose Bowl.
0: It's a good. The memes were good though. The the, the memes James of Jameis getting blown over, like just my, my no.
1: Stevenson.
0: Yeah, no, nobody could understand how he fell. It wasn't it DeForest <laughs> Buckner that gets the pick. I uh, think it's, so. Yeah, his yeah. Yeah. Oregon defensive lineman just uh, magically has the ball in his hands because Jameis has fallen backwards and no one knows how. Takes it all the way for the touchdown. Yeah. All right, so the Michigan State team I, I definitely gets beat because that 2015 Michigan State team beat both Ohio State and Michigan while leading in both games for zero seconds.
1: Fraudulent. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Michigan State never had the lead in its wins over Michigan and Ohio State until there were zeros on the clock and uh, and that's why I don't think it was a surprise that they got exposed the way they did. like great the, great season but
2: they won they won they won the grit category those <laughs> games.
0: Um, all right let's uh, yeah we can do we'll do one more. Uh, Graham uh, in February chimed in to ask. What does South Carolina have to do to get into the conversation as a top 10 team again? And another part of this, which I think is as relevant, is it even possible?
2: A top 10 team. So let's assume that he's talking about like perennially top 10 rated, like three years top 10 through like a, a healthy chunk of the season. Is that I think that's a fair representation of what he's going for. I, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, and I would say that you're like, I would say Auburn is a top 10 team, even if Auburn isn't in the top 10 of the rankings. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's as somebody is like a program that if you're putting together your preseason top 25, South Carolina is a team that you consider for the top 10, even if they don't end up being in it.
2: Right. And they've been there. Uh, They have. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't think there should be a like a, a top ten ceiling on South Carolina. I guess it doesn't happen much. It's happened before, but the you know may, maybe we should look to history as our guide. And and, and I'm I'm mistaken in that. But like, it, if there's no reason South Carolina can't get a coach that's a find find quarterbacks one find an offensive coordinator and I think you can recruit to South Carolina. The fan base is there. I think, I mean, I remember back when I was growing up and Vanderbilt was the worst team in America every year and South Carolina wasn't far in front of them. And South Carolina was still basically like filling up the stadium. Like South Carolina has a great fan base. Their facilities are legit. They're in the, the recruiting footprint to get the right kind of dudes i i mean to me it's as simple as getting the right coach yeah
1: i i mean because yeah steve spurrier proved that you can do it they finished like in the 2010 season they reached as high as number 10 in the ap poll they finished at number 22 but in 2011 they finished at number nine 2012, they finished at eight. 2013, they finished at four. So there was that five-year run that showed it can be done. I just do think that, like you said, it's it's going to be about the coach because you're an SEC school in a southeastern state. You can get talent if you're winning and you get the right coach to draw that talent there. So I don't think it's impossible. I think it might be impossible with your current coach.
0: I think to let Steve Spurrier tell it, you should make sure that your assistants don't have any job security. Because remember when he came out and he blamed the uh, downfall, of the Steve Spurrier South Carolina experience on well, probably shouldn't have given him three year guaranteed contracts. Got a little bit laxadaisical after that.
2: <laughs> was that what those? I never. I saw the headlines for that. I never read that story. Was that was that the big headline from it? Was, no, I don't that think that the, that was
0: the big headline. That was my. T- I had to. Um, I I had the great opportunity to read that piece and summer and you know, explain it in an entertaining and informative fashion on cbs And that was probably the one takeaway that I had was I was like, wow, so you've, uh, you, you're really, you're really just gonna throw that one on, uh, on the assistant coaches, huh? Okay. I got you.
1: Backing over them in a golf cart. (laughs)
0: Yes. Uh, absolutely. South, South Carolina can be, a top 10 team, but it's going to require in the same way that we saw it build up to that sort of two to three year peak. I think that you're going to need to see that same experience again, where there might be uh, a a flash and a little bit of breakthrough, and then you work your way up and it's, it's really easy. It's, it's easy to see when it's coming because it is all going to come down to your head to head matchups against uh, Georgia, Florida, and uh, Tennessee. Like this, when those when the results of those games start breaking your way, then you're going to know that you're on your way to to taking that spot up in the top ten can absolutely happen again. Don't see it happening right now, but with the right coach, uh, it is certainly
2: possible. Uh,
1: I mean, look at what Dabo's done at your other in-state power five school.
2: Mm. So uh, I do think like South Carolina is an interesting spot because. Yes, I do think it's possible to be a top 10 program with the right coach. And yet, I don't think if a coach isn't a perennial top 10 team there, he needs to be fired. Like, it shouldn't be the expectation, but it should be the goal. And that's not defense of Will Muschamp, though I don't think he's ever going to be the guy to get them into the top 10 consistently. Uh, he, There's probably – a scenario where Will Muschamp can have South Carolina in the top twenty-five consistently, um, but that seems to be getting further and further away with the rest of the SEC rising, SEC East rising as well. So, I'm not defending Will Muschamp as the head coach, but I I don't think that if a coach isn't getting him in the top ten, that he needs to be shipped off.
0: Uh, all right, y'all uh, y'all ready to bring the Loompas out?
2: Let's do yeah, it. I get it. All right. So, the Cover 3 Book Club, since we're friends, you know, the three of us are friends, all of of our listeners are our friends as well. This is the off-season. This is reading season, because otherwise, all we're doing is watching football in our spare time. So, it's good to have recommendations from our friends. All right. I might have been a little more concise on that if I knew you were going to be clipping it for eternity. (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I I went for the the jovial aspect of it. It was friendly. Hey, we're with all it.
2: friends here. I'm with it. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. All friends. Um all right. Bringing uh there was there was a request in a mailbag that you know, we're 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 being a little bit too nice or being a little bit too friendly, so I'll I'll bring a little bit of, of a book club recommendation that might have a a little bit of teeth to it or at least uh not controversy as much as it's it's a little bit challenging, um, or or could be. Uh, the book is called Educated. It is a memoir written by Tara Westover. It was released in the last couple of years. The the her story that she tells throughout the book is basically her slow acceptance of a world outside of the one that has been built by her parents, specifically her father. In the I believe it's in Idaho um it is a, a very fundamentalist family it is one that believes that the doctors are trying to kill you and that the teachers are evil they were homeschooled her mother was a midwife and an herbalist they her father was a very much a prepper and you know her experience in a big family that was rejecting of the modern and advanced world as she was growing up. She she sort of slowly throughout the book, uh, you know, starts to get a little bit more interested in what the world might look like outside of her family's land and her family's belief system. She ends up going away to college at BYU, then which is a challenge to even get there. Then she ends up uh, going on to become a very successful graduate student and sort of the, the, challenge the battle with her family throughout the time as she wants to push a little bit farther outside of the circle and then eventually get shut out of the circle um the it's it is a little bit queasy it's a little bit violent at times it's a little bit gruesome like there's some injuries out there on the land that are described in great detail but in terms of you know, just sort of looking at the, the, the power of belief and, uh, sort of the impact that it can have on your family. It's, uh, it, it's a read man. And I guess, especially as we're sitting here quarantined in, in very much a, a doomsday prepper mode, maybe, maybe one you want to read, maybe one you don't want to read. So, uh, I don't know. Have Barton, have you read educated?
2: I've read, uh, I've got about half of it. Indeed. I didn't, I, I, I liked it. I really liked it. I didn't, uh, I can't remember why I got sidetracked. Um, I think I don't know. I can't remember why I got sidetracked. But I I've read it's it's a she's really good like engaging writer and it was really I thought it was really interesting and good. Um, we'll see once we're all off the grid and uh, as the government tries to take us all down one school closing at a time, maybe her folks were the were the ones that were right all along. But uh, no, very topical, very good topical read. I I thought it was. I thought it was really good.
0: It's uh it it's one of those things where the like it a, as belief systems are challenged and as they will will continue to be challenged, you know, in in our times right now, then you've got sort of the response from it and it becomes very uh I don't know, it, it, it becomes interesting to see how we're all going to handle that differently. Um Tom, if you are going to run off to the the middle of of nowhere and set up your own um, your own way to be self-sustaining. Are you going to do a scrap metal yard, or are you going to go into farming? What's going to be your way to be able to to be self-sustaining out out in the middle of nowhere?
1: I'm just going to sell drugs on Grand Theft Auto online. <laughs> there's,
2: there's, yeah, there's got to be um, there's got to be some money to be made out there by just being a being a sim. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, like a lot of a lot of dudes are making money on Twitch, man. A lot of kids out there getting paid to play video games. I think it's
2: gonna be it's gonna be hard for you to be off the grid with your IP address <laughs> pinging around town, though.
1: I'm gonna get like one of those scramblers, so I'm gonna be moving around the globe every day. Oh, my VPN. That's right.
0: While just sitting sitting there in the same seat hustling around break. You're going to, you're going to break your affiliation with one gang to go join another. Cause they're going to have a better offer for you. Keep it moving. Yeah.
1: I might go like Omar in the wire. I won't actually join a gang. I'll just kind of move on my own as like a, as a soul soldier kind of, you know, mercenary doing my own thing. Maybe I'll rob the gangs. Ooh. Maybe I'll just do wet work. Who knows? We'll see.
0: <laughs> uh, so yes, Educated in Memoir by Tara Westover would recommend um throw it yes, on but. your throw it on your order list and uh and and sort of embrace um sort of where we're at right now.
2: All right. I got I got to be honest, this I thought the quarantine was going to be a good re- reading no. friendly environment. This this has been a this has been a not an easy not an easy reading environment for me to this point.
1: Well, it's just been hard for me to read, and I don't have a pregnant wife and two daughters. It's just it's like my mind is so consumed by so many other things right now that it's like when I sit down to read, I can't really read.
2: Can't just you can't shake the idea of the, all those Twitch streams. You're, you're
1: <laughs> how much money could I be making selling weed at the taco <laughs> stand?
0: In in a video game.
1: In a video game.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Reminder: if you want to add questions to future mailbag episodes, go ahead and get that in. In here, in the next uh, coming weeks, we are going to be doing our homework and we're going to be settling in for uh, honestly the beginning of our 2020 season preview. So, you know, what are the big burning questions? for a lot of these teams that we're going to have going into uh, football, whenever it does return, you know, where are some of the big storylines going to be? We're going to start to explore that here in the next couple weeks. So make sure that you subscribe. We're also going to be uh, just sort of bringing you our takes because we got, we're all getting through this together. Uh, Tom Barton, gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.